I hope all of you had a good meditation and uh, people always tell us that uh, even to the webcasts uh, they feel and experience uh, a lot of energy which is great and uh, we of course are sure you do that because the whole path is subtle and so truly speaking more things happen far away rather than near. However, at the same time, the physical presence of the teacher has its own depth. Certain things that can unfold in the presence of the guru are difficult to happen in the subtle level, not because it cannot happen. In fact, as I said earlier, that's where the most profound things happen. But it's just that the receptivity or the openness of a person physically far away can be diminished unless that person is, is very evolved. So there are limitations to, to that as well. Uh, so once again, I hope you had a good uh, meditation and uh, we will be having such uh, events in the future, hoping starting next year, this year is kind of ended, but next year in uh, late April, May onwards when Ma is uh, here and uh, again a little more healthy and, and uh, stronger, then we hope to do more events. So definitely please continue to join us. In the meantime, for those of you who are far off, uh, visit our website and keep in touch through that. And there's a lot of uh, things if you're interested to read about and get familiar with. But uh, this, as the Anyogiji and the Rishis, the Yogis say, is a practical path. Uh, it's not much to talk about, there's much more to practice and experience is the key process. And so that is what is uh, stressed by what is known as Pratyaksha Anubhava, what is your direct experience, that is what counts. And so the more you can expose yourself to either the webcast and again, as I said, as much as possible in the presence of Anandima uh, in the future, that, that is of great value. Uh, we have some questions here that people have requested through the uh, website. Uh, so I'm going to try and give answers to uh, some of those, if not all. How much time do we have? Oh boy. <laughs> I thought I'd make my work easy today. Anyway, here are some questions. And if there's more that pop up later, if this time we can, of course, uh, address them. Uh, some paths teach people to sit as still as they can during meditation. And if they feel distracted by body pain, they should work on bringing their awareness back to their breathing, but not shift positions. While this path says it's good to move if needed, to be comfortable and not to be distracted. Can you explain the difference and why this path teaches what it does? All right. Well, try it, you know. As, as they said, you know, you sit still, don't move, 
and whatever hurts, let it hurt. Try to bring yourself to the concentration process, whether it's the breath or whatever else is the object of concentration. If you're successful of doing, with doing that, great, that's what we are aiming for. But uh, there's a lot of, so to say, understanding or assumption that is going on. Like, you know, unfortunately, I cannot see all of you who are on the internet, but on this room here, we have a six-year-old six and an 80-year-old maybe. How can we expect all of them and in between that entire spectrum to sit still. The path of yoga is eightfold. You know, it starts with yam, niyam, asan, pranayam, pratyahar, dhana, dhyana, and samadhi. What we are doing here is dharna, dhyana, and samadhi. So we assume that you have taken care of the earlier steps, that you have strengthened your body, you have done hatha yoga, so you can sit still for an hour. So we are going with that assumption that you have prepared yourself. But we know you, none of you have, or some of you may have, <laughs> right? The spiritual path is, is a process of lifetimes. So we cannot expect a six-year-old and an eight-year-old or a person who is disabled to sit still. Yeah, if you are between the ages of 18 and 25 and joining a monastery where there is a guy with a whip, if you move that, you get a <laughs> crack on your back then yeah, you won't move. <laughs> but where is the concentration then? On the whip or on the breath? <laughs> so as a matter of training, it's great and it's, it's essential. And again, we all have our mindsets. For some people, that's necessary. They want that. We tell them that's comfortable. When Dhyan Yogiji first came here and we said, you can even lay down in, in meditation, some people came with sleeping bags. <laughs> Give me a break now, you know, so. <laughs> so that matter of discipline is something you have to do. You have to train yourself. We always say, you know, we all get older and yeah, you know, some of you here are sitting on chairs and we have graduated from sitting on the floor to sitting on chairs. But can you do something to come down to the floor? That is the key. Put in the effort to strengthen yourself. Make yourself strong that you can sit comfortably at least for an hour without moving. But that is something which you have to do on your own. That training is important. The telling the mind that I can do this, I can sit for an hour without moving, is a matter of your practice. Unfortunately, you don't come with us when you are six years old and then until you're 16 that the guru can work with you on a constant daily basis. Then we can train you in all of that. So in this setting that we are, and in this day and age, people don't have time. The, the next question is that I have only so much time, how much do I do? So that's the whole question. How much time do you have to work for your physical strength? How much time do you have with the other disciplines that are required? But the, the important thing is, what is the most important practice? We all eat every day, right? How much of you cook everything every day? You don't. You know, when there's no time, you even go to the restaurant and shell out some money and eat. But you know, you're hungry, so you eat. But, but the real process is that you go buy the groceries, you clean, you cook, and then you eat. 
but we don't have the time. Here you are getting something that is a prepared meal. So, the whole process in Kundalini Mahayoga is again reaching that state of concentration meditation and then the, the state of Samadhi. Now, you can do all the prior disciplines of asana, of pranayama, of pratyahar and all that and yam, niyamas which can take 80 years or 80 lifetimes. So, we have had 80 you, people who have done Hatha Yoga for 80 years and the, the aim of Hatha Yoga is to awaken the Kundalini. But even after 80 years of Hatha Yoga, they have no experience of the Kundalini, which is the goal of Hatha Yoga, which people have forgotten. People get stuck in the physical so much that they are exercising a lot. But what is the next step? Yam, Niyam and Asana. Asana is just the third step of the path of yoga. There is a long way to go ahead. So, this day and age and as Dhyan Yogi said, the most important thing is the practice of meditation. And so, however you do it, that is the most important. If you can sit still without moving for 1 hour, 3 hours, 40 hours, great. But if that is not possible, you still not be missing the fruit the most important thing. Eating the meal is important. Cooking is separate. If someone is giving it, eat it by all means. So, that is why even the sadhus, they, they go around begging for alms and whatever is given, they eat. But if they do not get it, they go hungry. That, that preparedness should be there as well. But anyway, we are not that, that uh, trained or disciplined. So, we definitely want to eat and eat well, of course. But uh, the whole key is that you, you meditate and so when the body is going to hurt naturally it is going to focus there. How long can you go back to the object of concentration if the, there is pain in the body? So it is a more logical and practical application that you are comfortable. So you may have to move but then the distraction is gone and then you are back to the object of concentration. And that is why in this path, the sitting still is just at the beginning. The second factor is that all those disciplines are necessary to awaken the Kundalini. It is the strengthening, it is a purification process. So, either, either you go through all of those steps and then awaken the Kundalini or here by the grace of the Master, the Kundalini is awakened and she will make you go through those steps. So, then it is not necessary that one be sitting still because the Kundalini can cause moments. People sitting in chairs do have kriyas or moments and then the fear of falling off the chair is there. So, this path is a little different in that the requisition that one should be still is not necessary because the absolute energy takes over and she leads the processes which are specific for the purpose and it is not a generalized path of practice where you know something is given and everyone has to do the same. Yeah, there is some level of that in terms of the concentration but once the Kundalini is awakened, whatever she does is different for each individual because the need for each person is different the level of evolution of each person is different. So, based upon that, the energy which is the absolute consciousness, consciousness uh, indicates what should or should not happen. And therefore, 
there is this difference of uh, you know the discipline of sitting still or not sitting still okay after shaktipa uh, initiation we are taught to do a sankalp of a way of requesting help from the guru and focusing our own intentions as well i have had experiences where i have gotten very clear help either a solution or an answer comes to mind of a problem that's plagued me or one time i remembered where i had hidden a spare key how do sankalpas actually work now again sankalpa is a very very powerful subtle tool which is something that is parted at uh, the time of shakti path and that is a way of a deep connectivity with the student and the master how it works how does your internet work same way internet is something new which is still restricted to a gadget but we as humans are always connected to the eternal to what is known as the ishwar tat the field of energy of god and parallel to that is what is known as the guru tatva the principle of the force field through which the masters the gurus work for helping mankind so we are always connected to that but again you know our batteries are down or we are in a area where there is no bar or single bar and so forth that is the problem and that problem is because we are not open we do not have that level of evolution of receptivity the signals are always going on but we need to raise ourselves to that level of consciousness where we can always grasp it so that is how the guru tatva is working again the sankalpa is a powerful tool which ideally should be used for spiritual growth and evolution not for finding spare keys you know guruji used to say that uh, when the when you want to cross the road don't stand on 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 the a curb and say let no car come i am going to cross the road that that is not the appropriate application of sat sankalpa is sankalpa is i want to reach god so in whatever is separating you from that uh, process so to say is what the sankalpa is to be utilized for but technically it is uh, connecting you uh, through that requisition in a much more deeper way to the lineage and to the guru as tyanyogidi said the network of the guru is like a huge spider web the spider has spread the web and then it comes to sit in the middle of the web but whatever has caught in the web they immediately know and that is how whenever a sankalpa is done through the guru tatva it comes to the knowledge of the guru it need not be external knowledge in comes of the mind knowing that but at the subtle level that energy grasps that uh, and then responds to to that call whatever it may be and many times we do sankalpa and we don't feel anything is happening that is because the process may not have been done appropriately or the help is coming but it is so subtle that we are unaware of it or the expectation of a mind is something that that help should come in a specific way and it may not come that way and we feel the help is not there or, or has not come but 
Prayers never go unanswered, that's the law. So whatever you state, it's always caught and the response is always there. Sometimes the response may be delayed for your welfare. And so being patient and just continuing with whatever you are doing is great. And as I'm saying that, I want to just go back to the previous question in, in terms of sitting still or not sitting still. Again, when Dhyan Yogiji came to America in 76, there was a 70-year-old gentleman that came and received Shaktipat. All this life, this person had not done any spiritual practice. He was from India. He met Dhyan Yogiji. He had now nothing to do. Families busy with their own. And so he got interested and took Shaktipat. And he said at that time, five minutes of meditation felt like five hours. It was so painful both for the body and for the mind. But he kept on coming, kept on exposing himself to Dhyan Yogiji. And by the time Dhyan Yogiji left in about four years, and of course he continued with his practice after that. But later on when he used to be with us, he used to say the same thing that when I started, five minutes were painful like five hours, but now I sit for five hours and it seems like five minutes. So that is how the process of Shakti path works. And he wasn't sitting still as, as he was 70 years old. So he used to sit in the, the cross-legged, but just lay down on the floor. So he would lay flat and then his legs would be folded and that he would be in hours and hours and hours for meditation like that. So how the Kundalini works and the grace works is different from how, uh, you know, what is required Sitting still is import, uh, important initially so that the chakras are opened uh, easily, but it's not necessary long term. And of course, uh, do the sankalpa for uh, reaching God, not finding lost objects. Okay? Is it important or useful to or helpful to remember past lives or recognize people from past lives? The answer is a big N-O. <laughs> Dhyan Yogiji and the yogis always uh, used to say, or still say, that the past is over, it's done. You, you cannot change or do anything. The arrow is shot, it is going to hit the target. The law of karma is very, very precise. So whatever is done, whatever we are experiencing is a fruit of whatever we have done or wanted or desired, whatever that may be. And yes, there's pleasant things and there's unpleasant things. And of course, none of us want the unpleasant things. And that's what we want to get rid of. How to get rid of is deal in the present. What can you do now is the most important thing. So knowing past lives and past person interactions is useless because that in fact can become a problem for the now and for the future. It cannot be undone. What can be undone is what you do now. So whatever you do in terms of your spiritual practices will erase the past and then you don't have to worry about tomorrow. The future will always be bright if you improve the present. So live in the present and whatever you can do today, do it now. That's the most important thing. But don't dwell in the past and don't worry about it. Sometimes if the experience comes about spontaneously, that's fine, then the energy is doing that for a reason because it's a part of the block and the energy will release it so that 
it comes to that awareness, but then that karma or whatever has been blocked, so to say, is released, and then you can go out free from that. But otherwise, don't try to go into that past uh, life regression and whatnot. That in the path of yoga is is uh, is not recommended. Why are the days of Navratri considered to be high energy days, and what are the benefits of doing practices at this time? Again, the, the battle, so to say, of light and dark, of good and evil has always gone on from day one in creation and probably till the last day it will continue because that's, that's the nature of creation. There is always day and night, light and dark. So those things are unfortunately going to, to remain. And again, these nine days was something similar thousands of years ago. And that's why the Lord incarnated. That's what he says that whenever the negativity comes to arise, adharma, what is right is being destroyed or on the verge of being, uh, you know, weakened, then naturally the Lord says, I incarnate and set things right. Either he will incarnate or a great master will come and, and bring changes like what Christ did. But uh, Anyway, uh, the nine days is also when such a battle happened with Ram and Ravana. And so in order to help Ram uh, remove the negativity which was so dominant, uh, the energies from uh, the Absolute were pouring her. And so that's why since that time, Till this day, the yogis have experienced and even common people experience that there is a different level of spiritual energy that is flowing down. And, and that is this once a year, nine day period where the energy is so very powerful. And so whatever practices that are done, you get the results very, very quickly with much less effort. Uh, there are, uh, so to say, uh, levels of perfection that can be attained with the practice. Uh, with the mantra, for example, X number of thousands or millions need to be repeated to reach it to uh, bring it to that state of perfection, which of course is an ongoing practice. But if that same practice is done during the nine days, then the ten times benefit is gained in a, in a shorter duration with much less effort. So. That's why these 10 days or 9 days of uh, practices are considered to be very important. In the 10 days, of course, when Lord Ram was victorious, Ravana was killed, the negativity was destroyed. But this is an external phenomena which of course happened in spiritual history, but it's a daily battle within. You know, we have to fight our own negativity within. We have to fight our own fears. We have to fight our own anger. We have to fight our own jealousy and greed and lust, whatever is keeping us away from our true selves. So that constant battle is an inner battle. And what I sang during the meditation is exactly that. You know, we have to fight with those inner tendencies and negativities which are keeping us separate from our true selves. So on a daily basis we, we are fighting with our inner enemies and hopefully 
we do not have any external, but they are bound to be there. You know, people may be jealous from you, they do not like you for whatever reason and whatever that may be, we try to retain our dharma, what is the truth, how should we behave and so watching the masters, learning from their lives, what is ideal behavior as given by the different scriptures, by the sages, adopting that lifestyle that is yama niyama, that is what yoga is, the root pahimsa, parmo dharma, do not hurt anyone in thought, word or deed. You want to be liberated, you want to be free, that is the first axiom that needs to be observed in daily life. And if you can observe that, you will feel so happy, all your negative karma will be burned automatically. But these are the guidelines that you need to follow and adopt in daily life. So, these nine days of course are extremely uh, powerful, uh, divine mother is typically worshipped and of course uh, devotees, whatever your spiritual practice may be, it does not matter, whatever your practice may be, whatever your faith may be, does not matter, but intensifying your practices during these nine days will put you at a de deeper and different level of evolution. What, else, what is the difference between faith and trust? I think that was your homework I gave you. Uh, I will deal with it daily, but typically faith fluctuates, it is not a constant thing, but trust is 100 percent. So, we use the words kind of uh, in common life, uh, what you call it, mis uh, with each other, what is the word I am not using? Yeah, interchangeable, but trust is very different from, from faith. Faith is blind, faith has to be blind as the yogis say, because faith at eyes, it cannot be faith, because once you have eyes, the mind is coming in and that is why faith and mind, that is why, you know, I had faith and I have lost faith happens, but trust is 100 percent and of course, this entire uh, anecdote, so to say, comes very beautifully from the Tulsi Ramayan, where he has started the Ramayan with the Divine Mother and Shiva and he has written that the Divine Mother represents faith and Shiva represents trust and how that is all about is a long story, I am not going to go into that, but basically trust is, is complete, then there is no doubt, then even if the Guru is false does not matter, the teaching is the truth. So, that, but whatever the Guru has said, whatever it is, then that faith is not going to go away. There is a practical and logical side to, to all of that, of course, but that is the, the, the basic difference between faith and trust. Okay. If we only have 60 to 75 minutes a day to put towards our Hatha Yoga, Japa and meditation practice, what would your ideal suggestion be for dividing that time up? Again, that is a difficult question in terms of, you know, we cannot generalize how each person should divide their time. In general, what is the most important practice? So, you want to devote the maximum time for that. However, 
what are the obstacles that are stopping or preventing you from doing that? Again, is it the body? Then what can you do to change that? And so that's where Hatha Yoga comes in. But you, you, you want to do that, so to say, to the bare minimum. You may do it for a, a longer period, for a while, until that goal of strengthening the body is achieved, so that you can sit in your asana. But then you shouldn't be stuck in the practice of Hatha Yoga so much that you are losing the deeper meaning and benefit behind it. So for us, and again for anyone who is interested in meditation, the key practice is meditation. So the maximum time should be for that, and the minimum time should be for Hatha Yoga. And then occasionally as the body goes through changes, you can do something for periods of times when you want to re-strengthen the body and then again go back to deepening your meditation practice. But the most important practice is meditation. The second most important prior to meditation is repeating the Guru Mantra. And then the last is something more external. So, the more physical the practice, the lesser the time should be un until, of course, you know, when you want to prepare for something, that is important. You cannot neglect that. But once that is achieved, then you definitely want to aim towards the most important practice on a daily basis. So again, going through the sixth, seventh and eight steps of yoga, dharana, dhyan and samadhi, concentration, meditation and the state of samadhi. Those are the most important steps. Anything and everything prior is preparation for that. So you don't want to just uh, spend all the time chopping the vegetables and cleaning the vegetables. Yes, they may have pesticides, but you don't sit there cleaning them all. That you don't get paranoid that you are not going to then cook the meal and eat it. So be practical and logical and therefore each person has to do whatever they have to. And at a certain point, the Hatha Yoga may not be necessary. So have that practical aptitude to what is required and then at a certain point, you know, you just do what is most important for yourselves in the time that you have. Oh boy, how does one go from martyrdom to acceptance? Isn't surrender an act of grace and not something we can do? I wish this was true, but it isn't. Well, basically, you know, I guess from what I can understand and actually I had to ask what, what was the meaning of this question. We feel victimized, you know, of circumstances maybe or whatever external. But truly speaking, nothing is true in that sense. We are all, as I already said early, earlier, fulfilling the fruits of our own karma as you sow. So shall you reap and that is 100 percent what is going on in all lives individually and universally. So if someone is doing or circumstances are doing something to you, you ask for it. No one is causing it. You know, even if a stranger has come and hurt you, 
it is because you heard that stranger somewhere right now you are strangers, but something was done and so that, that karma is being fulfilled. Even a person walking on the street, uh, you know this dog does not look at the 200 people outside, he runs and bites that person. It is a karmic interaction that is unfolding. We do not see that, we do not understand that, but typically nothing is in the sense of you being victimized either by persons or circumstances, you just unfolding the fruits of your own action. But uh, again, what is the attitude in all of that, you know, again the whole thing of half glass full or half glass empty, that is what surrendering or grace is all about. Uh, grace cannot be selective, then, then God is being unjust, you know then it is my choice who I am going to shower my grace upon and not on this other person. What, what is the criteria for, for that to unfold? And again, there are so many beautiful stories. This one was from the West, I think it is not even from, you know, the high philosophy, so to say, but you have all heard about it. We have said it many times. You probably, you know, some of you may even have it in your rooms about the steps on the sand by the person walking. Right, you heard that, and this person, person is walking on on the beach, and times are good. You know, family is happy, everything is nice and easy, nothing to complain about, and you know he sees his his footsteps, and then behind his footsteps he sees another set of footsteps, and then he says, of course, God is walking behind me, and that's why everything is fine. Years later, times have changed, wife has passed away, children are on their own, person is weak and suffering, everything has fallen apart, you know, he is sad, he is depressed, he is lonely, he is hurt, again victimized. He goes back to that beach and says, okay, I will walk again and once I see those footprints behind me again, I will be encouraged. But he goes and sees only his footprints, you know, gods are missing. So, you know, God even Christ on the cross, have you forsaken me, you know. And in, in that situation, we humans interact that way. We lose our faith. We know the truth, even saints, for saints for also, for that to happen is not uncommon. So, at that moment, you know, things like that pop up in our mind. So, he walks on the beach and, and the footprints are missing and he's sad, you know, that God has deserted me. But he goes home, sits down, relaxes, and he has a dream that night. You are so weak, you don't have the strength to walk. The footprints that you saw were not yours. Those were mine. I am carrying you on my back. So that is, that is grace and that is surrender. Another, this was a true incident in a, in a mosque in India a Muslim fakir saint, he became a saint, but he started just like you and me, an ordinary person in a corner there, used to do his practices, years and years, you know, they have their timings, people come in, do the namaz, and he used to do this, and one day on a special event, he has done it so much, you know, they touched the foot on, on, the, on the floor, and it was a hard stone floor, and he had touched his head there so much that there was a dent in the floor for so many years. And there's, you know, a crowd of whatever, 2,000, 5,000 people and there is a voice that comes up in the, in the mosque. 
addressing him, saying, I don't accept any of your practices. And everyone there who has watched him fall all their lives are shocked. You know, this poor guy, he's done so much all his life. He's done nothing but practices. And now assume, you know, God's voice telling him that I don't even accept your practices. He is starting to dance with joy. At least you know I'm doing practices. <laughs> he had the vision of the Lord right there and then. And in his next breath, he was gone. He was liberated. So that is surrender. That is the attitude we have. And we, we have to become worthy vessels of grace. You know, as Guruji said, you know, if you're standing with your ego like a mountain, the grace is always there, just like sunshine falls equally everywhere. Rain falls equally everywhere, but if you are going to be like the hill, that grace is going to fall away, become a ditch, then you will collect it. So, we have to increase our capacity from four courts to 400 courts, whatever that is, to receive grace. And so, for that, your attitude to surrender is very, very important. And another very nice story, I don't want to go into stories. But two saints, again, both doing practices. Naraji, the son of God, is passing by. So they said, when you meet your father, the Lord asked him, when will I attain liberation? Both asked the same questions. So Naraji goes to Brahmaji, asks his father, these two guys have asked this question, when will I attain liberation? So the Lord said, tell that first guy, that he has three more lifetimes to go before he is liberated. And tell the second guy, he still has as many birds as there are leaves on the tree underneath which he is doing his practices. So Anaraji comes down and tells to the first guy, okay, you have three more lifetimes. And this guy starts howling and screaming, oh, I gave up everything, I didn't enjoy life, I took up this white robes and I have done nothing with practices and how can he be so cruel? I still have three more lifetimes to go, this and that. He was just complaining bitterly. But Naraji said, this is what you asked. This is what the answer is. There's nothing, nothing I can do. Then he goes to the second saint and says, well, you know, you still have as many lives as there are leaves on this tree. And he starts dancing with joy too. Oh, wow. God is so gracious. I'll have so many more lifetimes to chant his name. And after that, he'll give me liberation. So that attitude was just that the Lord liberated him right away. So it is up to us and our hearts how we interact to situations in life, to our interactions with God and Guru that makes us worthy, so to say, of whether we receive grace or not and how much we are surrendered or not. What is the role of a guru and, and or what is the role of the guru after Shaktipat? Only one role of the guru, liberate the person from the endless cycle of life and death. That is the definition of a true guru. Now, there are different gurus. You know, someone that's going to teach you Hatha Yoga, your Hatha Yoga instructor technically is a, is a guru. But his capacity or her capacity is only with the physical body, not to liberate your soul. 
So, different gurus have so to say different levels of interaction and depending upon what your seeking is from the guru is, is what is that role is all about. But in general, the word guru is the destroyer of darkness, the giver of truth, the remover of ignorance. So, that is uh, the giver of self-realization. So, whether it is Shakti path or any other path of, of spirituality, the role of the guru is to help you through that journey from start to finish and take you to the doorstep of liberation. The role of the guru will vary, so to say, with the role of the disciple. How much is the disciple willing to accept the guru? Are you following the guidelines given by the guru? What is the level of, of, of all of that? The level of your faith, the level of your practice. Again, whatever circumstances come about, are you willing to accept that or bitterly complain? All of that will shift, so to say, the role of the guru in terms of interaction. The guru is, of course, constantly working and guiding you to take you to, to that uh, uh, step of freedom from the cycle of life and that. How much importance should we give to our dreams? If it is something spiritual, vision of, of a guru, vision of a master or something that has been given in a dream state, then yes, it is to be considered to be important. Uh, the dream state is also a spiritual state. It is not a pure spiritual state because it is again what is known as tamas or a dark spiritual state versus meditation where there is an awareness to the process. So, there is you know in both state a person may be out so to say, but sleep the sleep state is, is uncontrolled it is dark whereas, the meditation state is, is an active state. So many times the disciple is not evolved enough where the guru can communicate to the meditation. The guru does communicate, but the person is not receiving the messages and so occasionally the scenes, the teachers use the dream state as an astral plane to communicate something important. So, in that sense, it can be very, very true, very, very powerful. However, the dream state is also a very impure state because it is influenced by other factors as well. The food you eat, how late you have eaten, depending upon your constitution according to Ayurveda, the vata, the air element aggravates the body and that is why dreams can be caused which are not true at all. The subconscious mind will project dreams. You have a very, very profound unfulfilled desire, good or bad, which is often fulfilled in the dream state. So, the dream state is not accurate. So, you have to make a judgment based upon what the dream is what all about where it is you know worthwhile giving its importance or following up on that message whether it was just a projection of the mind or whether it was some reality from the guru because the mind can even say oh guruji came and told me and poor guruji had nothing to do with that so unfortunately it is it is not a very defined state of accuracy.
there are you know scriptures that go into the dreams and give interpretations of what is the vision in the dream which will then indicate like visualizing a cow is very very positive the color of the cow makes a big difference seeing uh, an eagle or an owl is very uh, inauspicious and people put owls in the homes here so things like cultural differences of course are, are there but uh, again it's it's not a very reliable state to follow Sri Ma, during your time of illness, what teachings, memories and or visions of your Guru have helped you the most and in what ways? That is something you need to ask her, I cannot talk for her. But uh, just being with her, um, again, you know, she always says, as Dhyanyogiri said, that the body has its quote-unquote dharma to follow and so, the body may have its problems, there may be illnesses, but the inner self is ever unchanging. As Dhyan Yogiji said that my attitude to help others never changes no matter what the body is doing and that is what Ma typically uh, also, you know, has so to say exhibited over, over uh, the past few years. Dhyan Yogiji has often come and given her pervisions. Uh, just a few months ago he came and for a very, very long time was pressing on a third eye center and uh, she, you know nothing changed externally, but she felt a lot different internally. Again a lot of her uh, illness so to say is, is uh, again the karma of the disciples over time. Vomiting nausea is an impurity. When the body is rejecting something, throwing out of your body, that is vomiting. And typically she has had a lot of that and in some ways a karma that has been accumulated through disciples is a part of that process. Ayurvedically, of course, her energy is moving up so intensely and so that also aggravates that situation. But it is partly energy, it is partly the shakti path, partly maybe her own body so to say as a part of whatever prarab karma she has to go through, a mix of all of that. Uh, by and large we feel the most uh, big mistake we made over the years is not breaking in between and taking in a rest. Shakti path is an intense process and every four years Dhyan Yogiji used to take off and rest rejuvenate himself with spiritual practices with a lot of Ayurvedic herbs. We never did that for 30 years. Living in the West had its own demands and that is what the price is that uh, you know we are paying now. But she is getting better, she is getting stronger and uh, hopefully very soon she will be out of it. But your prayers and what not has helped and she always of course wants to thank. In fact, She's been asking me to send out a thank unit for all your birthday uh, love, support, wishes, and gifts, and for the, to her. And uh, again, as a part of this, uh, thanks from her for all of that. What mantra, thought, action, etc., can be done to improve a financial situation? 
to reduce increasing debt occurred not from luxuries, but from basic expenses. Again, you know that is a very karmic uh, process and uh, there are mantras that uh, are given out, uh, Lakshmi mantra which is the divine mother controlling the factor of, of wealth and well-being. And so, at some point whoever asks this question can get that mantra and do that practice for help. We are doing an intense practice every year, the Lakshmi Puja coming up, I forget the date, but uh, I think it is 8th of uh, November. Uh, so, I think probably in the evening starting around 5 o'clock, you can join in for that. It is once a year, but that particular day at particular time is very, very auspicious for uh, that. So, if you are interested, do come in. Oh my. After I had Shakti part several years ago, I experienced very unusual things such as my body freezing motion, not temperature or my eyes not being able to open. This mostly happened during after yoga asana. It was not distressing to me though it was to others. I wondered during these years about those experiences. Do they sound like natural familiar results to you? If so, could you explain a bit or do you think they came from the coconuts that I offered to the river being intercepted. About six months ago, I experienced a somewhat similar situation of going unexpectedly into a deep place of stillness after being with a spiritual teacher. Unfortunately, I did not know this was going to happen and was in a public setting. Others thought I had some sort of a medical condition, but for me, I was absolutely peaceful. However, I was not able to come out of this state for about an hour, though I could hear and understand all that was going on around me. I also have not known what to make of such an experience as I do not have a context for interpreting any of this in terms of my culture, family, friends, etc. And it is, it very much reminded me of the places I would drop into after Shakti path. Any insight you could share would be most welcome. For instance, if this should happen again, what is the safe way that I could quickly pull myself out of such a state? Again, this is very, very basic, very common, very, very natural. This is what Kundalini is all about. Once Shakti path is taken or even if a person who has had a spontaneous awakening of the Kundalini, the Kundalini typically is working 24-7, 365 does not stop for a moment and again generally there are times or moments when it will begin to do things spontaneously when it knows or feels this is a good time to do something for the person it is not going to be aware or conscious where you are whether you are at work or in you know some place else where it is not ideal for uh, the process to unfold it will still happen and then it is up to the individual to stop or control that. That is what Sankalpa is for, which is what was taught to you at Shakti Path. So, if you find yourself such things happening unexpectedly or whenever we are going to a situation with another spiritual teacher or any spiritual setting, it would be ideal that you do the Sankalpa before going that, that you do not enter into meditation in that uh, spiritual energy there 
or if you do enter it's just quiet and not deep and you know particularly you know no movements and so on and so forth but uh, this is very common it, it happens uh, with anandima that's one of the reasons dhyanyogi never left her alone and when he was unable he put the two of us together that she was always watched for and just to give an example a few years ago we were doing uh, an ayurvedic treatment a panchkarma but uh, the the person who was doing it was also a spiritual teacher and they had their own chanting and what not and of course we went for that and ma of course passed out and uh, you know they didn't know what to do uh, you know the the guy also didn't know too much he said oh she's mentally crazy that's what they came about and then of course i had to intervene and then bring about that that uh, understanding of who she really was and then techniques of how to bring her out of that state but typically when you're experiencing that stiffness and then no movement and what not that's because the energy the prana withdraws from the entire body and comes in the heart and it becomes deeply concentrated there so that although the rest of the body is still supplied it, it has become very subtle it become very fine so the circulation ceases and that's why if you have seen in the past when after mass woken up we need to still massage her tap her so that the pran starts coming the blood starts flowing eventually so what that is known as jad or inert samadhi state of samadhi so basically the prana withdraws into the heart and does a lot of work there and as a part of that there is no no external activity or uh, you know in, incapacitated uh, feeling of the body being able to move so that's common and normal but as one progresses and evolves those things go away and uh, there is better control but with the sankalpa you can uh, prevent that from happening years ago there was a spiritual teacher passing through mumbai where i lived and uh, he was offering meditations at 6 in the morning so my dad and i went to attend those and it was very different from what guruji did of course and he was doing external techniques of practice and he had some sort of an energy where he said okay now you are hearing millions of birds chirping and you could hear millions of birds chirping and then some sound energies is what he could manifest but you know my and my dad we heard the birds chirping for maybe you know few seconds and then we were out like rocks there and then the rest of the group were were you know doing different things but since mine and my dad were just sitting there everyone else was distracted and then when we woke up everyone in the room had gone the guy who was just leading this meditations was sitting in stage and he called us he said please don't come back here this is not for you you are too evolved whoever your guru is you have gone up and said these other people are not looking at me they are looking at you it is distracting so so don't come here so again the whole thing is the inner practice and not the external but it's it's common it's natural don't be afraid and uh, if you have someone to go with you who's familiar with you then the guidelines that are given how to wake you up gently tapping you on your head calling your name and you know making sure it's a gentle process and not they are going to shake you up or pour 
ice on you or whatever, those drastic steps. So just be careful that those things don't happen. So those were the list of questions. Anyone else? Uh, or I'll let you go. You have a question, wait for a microphone so everyone can hear. And raise your hand. Good, silence is golden. <laughs> this, these are the days of silence too. Actually, mine, I don't talk for the nine days, once a year. And Dhyanogiji, when used to give us some practices, he used to say 21 days, at least no talk. When we stop talking, eventually the mind stops thinking, mauna. So it's a very, very powerful practice. So if you can, shut up. Don't ask questions too. The guru works in silence. That's where the most important work happens. So appreciate you're not asking questions. I'd like to go home and continue with my practice and sit silent too. Anyway, if you still have, go ahead. Because <laughs> then they'll sit in meditation, you know, I wanted to ask this question and Dilip said this and I couldn't ask, so let's resolve that part now. Mind is so funny. Okay, thank you all so, so very much for coming today and those of you on the internet, again, I hope to see you whenever we do the next event, as I said, probably April, May, whenever, and of course, ongoing after that. We always conclude, as most of you might know, with the prayer for world peace, so please sit silently with your eyes closed and send out energy from your heart for the peace and welfare of all humanity. Sarve bhavantu sukhinaha, sarve santu niramaya, sarve bhadrani pashyantu makashid dukhabhag bhavet. Ma kaschid dukhabhag bhavet Om shanti shanti shanti